praying this morning just for, for what God wants to do. Already, it's such a scene. He really wants to come with his light and just shine it through our lives. That actually, don't have his light shining. Because you know, there are areas in our life that God will be surrendered to. And just as James shares with the Lord's love and his heart, I'm trusting that, you know, it's a miraculous thing when the Holy Spirit moves the words. So you have to work by the Spirit. You can't do these things, actually. It's not passing, it is yet. I'm trusting this morning that our hearts will be open. So I want to ask you guys, open your hearts and listen. Not only your ears will be open, that your heart will be open and you would allow the Lord to speak to you guys. And, uh, and see what happens. I'm interested, how many of you guys were at that men's conference? Let's see a show of hands. Is that all? Okay. So that was that was like that was like two years ago. That was like three weeks ago or so. And what's interesting is the fact we're sitting here today, like we can't even necessarily take credit for planning this so elaborately. Because about two weeks ago we didn't even know this was gonna happen. It's like last week. Yeah. No, it was about a week ago. But it's it's amazing that we're all together like this after after that men's conference. Because I think how many of you guys are aware that you probably need more friends in your life? Two guys. Four. Most of us. Or you deep less acquaintances deeper. Yeah, it's not always about quantity. It's not more. It's, it's quality. Um, but that, that, that doesn't happen easily. And, and a thing like a men's conference or a men's camp or whatever we do, it's almost like it's, it's like a shotgun blast. Like we realize there's a problem amongst us men, then we're like, what's the solution? Let's do a conference. But it's like, and then all you know is you just go back to normal life. And like really my heart for us as guys is that we would, we would get so, part of this message today is, is that you would realize how desperately you firstly need to see God as your father. Not just as a nice cliche thing, but like, I, feel, I want you to sit and be like, I desperately need to hear this every day. And then almost the, the, the outworking of that is I need to share my life with those around me and not be a lone ranger. Um, so these are, these are things that we want to work into us. And I think we must, we must chat as men to see practically on a week-to-week basis how do we fill that void that we often feel like, whether it's men's fellowship or whether it's sharing our marriages, those that are dads, sharing as dads with one another. I really want us to take this as not just, let's just wait for the next camp. You know what I mean? For the next conference. Because that's like when you work in an office and you're like, I'm just going to wait till I get holiday in December. And you know those people. You get to December, you're so burnt out and broken. And then you start another year. So we want to incorporate things the whole time. Um, I just want to have this close so I can check my time. So if you, if you want to know what I want to share on, the title of the message I would call is This is my son whom I love. And you might recognize those words from Jesus' baptism. And we'll look at that just now. But just before we even jump in, where this comes from, if any of you guys have been in um, what we call man club, who's been to man club? Very manly name. <laughs> man club. In the future, we might have to change it to like person club or something. Because... I don't know how gender specific you can be. <laughs> Human club. 
<laughs> but, but a topic there that we've uncovered so much as men is we've realized, wow, it is so important for us to, to somehow hold on to that truth that God loves me and accepts me before I go and do a whole bunch of things for him. It sounds so simple. Yeah. Let me summarize it a different way. Yeah, this is a good summary. I want us today to realize that as a Christian, I have to be living from a place of love and acceptance. That's right. Not for it. That's right. It's almost like a different religion. If you are, if you come into the Christian life and you're like, okay, this is how these guys behave. This is what they do. They go to this thing called a Sunday meeting. They go to common sometimes. Sometimes they're on set of duty. So okay, I'll do that also. Okay, you have to read your Bible. Okay, cool. You can almost look at it. If I do all those things, then I belong. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what that's teaching you? What happens if you don't do all those things? Yeah. Do you belong? So we've got to be so careful. Like, what is the grounds right now of me being accepted firstly by God? Because more important, I get accepted by God before I'm accepted by man. That's right. But I've got to figure out, I've got to know that I know, on my best day and my worst day, why did he accept me? And then go forth from that place. Anybody feel like they need that? I have to return to that the whole time. Um, of God, like, even, even, just, even just preparing this stuff today, like, God, what? Just realizing that the most precious truth I think we can have as 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 men, but just as children of God, is to call Him Father. Yes. I, I, I think you could spend the rest of your life figuring out what that means. Absolutely. You're like, what does it mean that I can call Him Father? Yes. Yes. And it's not just that. One of the terms we'll look at here, I don't want to fast forward too quick, but the Bible uses so many different analogies for the Christian. And you've got to somehow, they all communicate a different facet. So in one sense, many scriptures will say, I, Paul, a slave of Christ. You guys are slaves of Christ and stuff. So in our minds, we mustn't let that nullify, you don't let that nullify another truth. You don't hear me going, okay, today God's your father. But you're like, hold on. I read this week that he's my master. Don't they squash each other up? No, they don't. Okay. So as, as mature believers, we figure out what does that mean? And I think one of the main ways God wants us to relate to him is... Our Father. It comes over and over and over and over. You know what Jesus says at the end of John 17? A radical statement. He says, I pray that the world may know that you have loved them with the same love that you've loved me. You thought about that. But as you sit here right now, do you feel like that experientially right now? Probably not. Are you living in that daily that you feel like I'm as loved by God as He loves His Son, Jesus? Probably not. You can read that one if you want. That's in John 17, verse 23. It said, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, and so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. I think I probably grasped 1% of that truth. Yeah. <laughs> it almost feels like it's sacred ground. Mm-hmm. 
You're like, hold on, hold on. What do you mean? Like, you know your own heart, do you? Do you feel like you're worth being loved the same as Jesus is loved? Probably not. And if you say yes, then I'm slightly concerned. (laughs) Yeah, of course, what are you talking about? Like, there's, there's something inherently in us of unworthiness and shame, which says, shame doesn't say I've done something wrong. It says there's something wrong with me. And that's a tricky thing to repent from. If I've done something wrong, I can repent of it. The devil shoots arrows at me and says, no, no, James, you haven't done anything wrong. There's something wrong with you. How do you repent of that? You basically say, I've just got to change what I am. And this is something that the gospel comes and wants to change in us. Is he wants to remove that shame. And then he wants to send us out. So if you have your Bible with you, you can whip it out. And you can open in Romans chapter 8. How are you doing, Matt? It's good to have you. Matt's a powerful crossfitter. I asked him last night, I'm like, are you good at CrossFit? He's like, yeah, I'm not bad. And he's like, oh, I'm top 30 in the country. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> Where's the, are there other CrossFitters here today? Carl's not here, Carl's a CrossFitter. You're a CrossFitter? Don't be so humble about it. <laughs> I don't think I'm top 30 in my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've invited me to come join you. And you're a crossfitter. Why are you guys so quiet about it? Crossfitters always normally tell people they do crossfit. It's like a vegan. Okay? But open in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I'll tell you. Like a Man United supporter or something. I mustn't go there. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. We'll get to your topic just now. Okay, Romans 8.14. Scripture, many of you should know. You would have heard before. Let's just read it. I'm reading from the ESV. For it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all. There's no distinction. You don't start as an employee and you work hard enough, you get sonship. From day one, you get sonship. Amen. Amen. Yes. So there's no, no favoritism, no partiality. Check here. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then he says, if children, then heirs, heirs of God. But that bit there where he says, and I'll focus on that later, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I would definitely argue that that is a separate work. That what I wrote here is that the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion makes you a son. The Spirit does the work of the Father. He regenerates us, puts the Spirit in us. But... You could write this down if you want a catchy phrase. It's like a Dion Dalport one-liner. <laughs> the Holy Spirit makes you a son, 
and then comes and makes you aware that you're a son. Yeah. That's what he wants to do. So we're not sitting here today saying, God, come make us sons. Imagine your son did that to you. He said, Dad, please make me a son. You'd be confused. You'd be grieved. You'd be like, where did you learn that? Now, but a son, even by his actions to a father, son's not going to say it explicitly. But when he's saying, Dad, come and hang out with me. Dad, come spend time with me. He's wanting to enjoy his sonship in the house. And God wants us to say, to sit here today and say, okay, I know, I know that I'm a son. Like, I kind of have to believe that. It's like a Christian belief. But I want to know that I know. And that there's, the Spirit testifies, Abba, Father. Do you want that? Because you don't, it's not a destination you arrive at. You're not praying here today and saying, get me to that point, and from then on, I'm sorted. You're returning to that day after day, day after day. Come back to, okay, Abba, Father. When everyone is loving you like they love Jesus, you would withdraw to desolate places and go back to that. God saying, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And then on the days when he gets to Jerusalem and everyone's hating him, he can still come back to the Father. This is my son whom I love whom I'm well pleased. And we have to have that established in us. That's right. Do you believe that? It's not a nice to have. Because if you don't have that, it's like sailing in the ocean and sonship is true north on that compass. And if you're not headed towards true north, you're just going to drift off into other nonsense. And you're going to start trying to find that satisfaction. Because there's a satisfaction. Just think of, I don't know what your earthly fathers were like, but think of... In any moment or moment you can think of where you had a deeply satisfying connection with your dad. I was thinking about it yesterday. I mean, my dad, my dad was a pastor. But I don't have many jumping to my head. I had to really think and be like, okay. We used to play golf together, but if I sliced the ball into the trees, he'd be so upset. Okay, that wasn't a moment. Uh, and I'd be thinking, okay, I used to do athletics. Dad would stand on the corner and I'd feel such pressure to win that race. And I came second to one guy, the same guy, for five years in a row. And I'd walk to my dad like this. And he would joke and he would say, Oh, I wish I had a son like Vessel, the guy. That, in that moment, that did not help. He'd be trying to say it as a joke, but in that moment, I'm like, that is not what I need to hear. Because I am beating myself up right now. But that, that, that is a, all those things, what they do, whatever your childhood was, it's conditioning you to think that it is my performance that makes me acceptable to my father. And the gospel comes along and flips that upside down. But the problem is, just like that, that, that compass of you sailing, where's Delhi? Delhi, you're the sailor, so you can you relate. Um, I'll just throw up if I go. but you've you've got to almost set your sight on that every day otherwise you're going to drift off into what I do is going to make me acceptable to him you're either going to be proud of your performance or you're going to beat yourself up and have self-hatred when you fail amen
So we want it. Yeah, yeah, you're going to try to find it somewhere else. You're going to try to find it in people. You're going to try to find it in your job. You think if I just get the right job and I work enough hours, I will justify my existence on this earth. Because maybe your father put all the pressure on you and stuff. And many of us men have an anger inside of you you don't even fully know yet. I've seen it so many times, standing with men. Is it goes through cycles. Because do you know why you'll feel angry? Is because normally if I like something or someone, it draws me towards it, doesn't it? So what's conditioned your mind is if you grew up and your father didn't want to spend time with you, do you know what that's telling you? I'm not likable. You didn't like me. And you carry that the rest of your life. You carry that. And now we come into this relationship with God. And that doesn't magically get sewn up. You're you're carrying the wound. And the Father is saying, come. Come to me. And and we're going to pray and trust for that today. That for many of us, just like I said earlier, like Lazarus with those grave clothes, many of us sitting here, it doesn't matter how old you are, age is almost irrelevant, is that God is going to use us to speak affirmation of each other. And we're going to say, let's say as my friend Siviwe here, and we pray for Siviwe, we say, Siviwe, God says to you, you are my son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. And we're the body of Christ. So God does something through us and breaks chains off, breaks lies off. Amen. So preparing you for later. So in that scripture, do you know what's interesting about the analogy there of you've received the spirit of adoption as son? Who's adopted a child? Marty, the thing, and, and Steve, the, the interesting thing about adoption, I know it's a very long, tedious process with, with paperwork and a lot of stuff. But you know what's interesting about it compared to birth? When your parents had you, did they know they were having you? No, they did not. They're having a baby, which turned out to be you. When you adopt someone, You're saying, I set my sights on Brian. And I want that child. And I'm going to go through the process and saying, I'm fully aware here. I claim ownership of him. He's mine. That's powerful. And there's something in that truth. And that when you realize that I've received adoption, sons, that means God has looked at you. And he hasn't just said like, hey, Raul, you somehow stumbled upon Christianity. You said the sinner's prayer. I've got to let you in. Damn. And you're like, God, you love me, don't you? He's like, okay, I have to. I mean, you said in Jesus' name. That's nonsense. Because if you have that belief, you're not going to experience an inch of Abba Father, of that revelation. You're not going to experience it. You're going to think, I'm just in the Christian religion here. I'm just trying to be faithful, just trying to do my best. But when you realize God set his sights on me, Paul says in Galatians 1. That when God who set me apart before I was born. Check what he says. But when he who had set me apart before I was born. Called me by his grace. And was pleased to reveal his son to me. God's looking at you and saying I was pleased to reveal my son to you. You thought of that. You didn't just stumble upon him. And you said the magic code. And now you're in. And God's like, flip, there's a covenant. I, I can't annul it. Like, 
<laughs> no. He's saying, I'm pleased that you know me. I don't just love you in like a contractual way. Dare I say it? I like you. You ever thought of that? Or do you squirm when you hear those words? Who feels a bit of a squirm? <laughs> there you go. Honest. If you've grown up also in a more religious background and stuff, you go into some churches and you say God likes you, they'll almost call that blasphemy. Because there's such a conditioning of... There's, there's almost like we don't know how to hold intention, like I said earlier, all the different facets of who God is and who we are in relation to Him. So they might just camp out on, I'm just a worthless servant. When I've done all that I should, then I should just say I'm a worthless servant. But God wants us here to say, to look at ourselves. Can you look at yourself today, honestly? And say, when I look at myself, I actually believe that God likes me. And He's proud of the man I am. And I'm becoming. Not all that I should be, but I'm also not all that I want to be. But God is taking me there. Do you feel that? Because you need that. Otherwise, we're just going to walk through every day Lonely. And you're going to feel like I'm fending for myself. No one else is fending for me. I'll provide for my family, provide for myself. I'll work this job. I'll get these hours done. I'll please my boss. But you know what you're actually operating in? You're a lone ranger half the time. Serving a God. Like there. I'll come to church. I'll serve that God. God wants us to walk each day. Like, Like Ross was saying earlier, like in order to be a leader, in order to truly lead, what do you think is one of the main characteristics that you should have? And it's probably so many if you've read like any like John Maxwell book. <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think is a very important biblical characteristic of a bold leader? Humility. Yeah, humility should always be. Finish the sentence. He should not have a fear of man. If you've got a fear of people that you're either still craving their acceptance or you're fearing their rejection, you're almost hamstrung. You can't get going out the blocks. Because in order to lead even your wife, you've got to say, I know my God and I'm humble before Him and I know that He's with me. I know that I have the help that comes from God. You've got to know that He's on your side. And God wants us to walk with that. And I want that. I want to walk every day knowing that He actually is with me. Amen. It's heading home. So here, I just wrote like a bit of a, a diagnosis. I said, how are our lives influenced by this missing truth? So if we're missing... And I'm not even going to ask for hands. Basically, most of us here, to different degrees. Some of us might feel like, I've never even thought of God that often as my father. Some of us are like, okay, I once was living in that so consistently and I've lost sight of that. And I've almost started seeing myself as a faithful employee. But some of the things that happen to us, if we're missing that, is you're going to feel distant from God. You're going to feel unworthy. To feel unwanted and not liked by God. And, and that's something Mark and I were praying about last week. And a lot of people responded at the end of last week. And you know what was a common thread in so many people? 
was when, I, when they see other people experiencing the Spirit, then it makes them feel unworthy. All across the board, you start seeing that. People in tears. And they'll even theologically build up a system which is, I'm going to squash that stuff I'm seeing. Because of how it actually makes me feel. It makes me feel like, if Ruby's experiencing that and I'm not, what does that say about me? You know what I mean? And that is such... We can use scriptures, we can use whatever we want. Pop psychology to justify our thought process. But if you dig beneath all of that, you'll see... I'm actually resisting that because it, it makes me feel unworthy. And, and I think that's a, that's a root issue. That what do we think is going to give us worthiness? Is the gospel properly apprehended, which says to you, on your first day, this is my son, whom I love, and in whom I'm well pleased. Now go forth. So why don't you open there? Open in Matthew chapter 3. Because this, this is a pivotal scripture for us, I think. We're going to pray into some of these things afterwards and, and really trust God to minister this truth. Because I'm totally inadequate. I'm just using words the best I can. But, but for this to hit home in us requires a miracle. It requires a miracle. So look at Matthew chapter 3. You can find it in Mark and Luke, but this is in the Matthew version. So the last two verses of Matthew 3. From verse 16. So it says... And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Anyone got the NIV in front of them? Will you read it for us if you got the NIV? And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Yes, that's the one that's been stuck in my head. Um, it's simply the same as saying beloved. But do you realize what's so significant at that point? How much has Jesus done? Nothing. Nothing. You wish you actually had a bit more filling in the details. You're like, for 30 years, give us something. You're just working 9 to 5. Moaning on a Monday, waiting for the Friday. <laughs> like the rest of us, like just serving Mary at home. And... But you have this thing where right at the beginning of his ministry, and he's the firstborn of many brothers. Yes. At the right at the beginning, there is the... And what's, what's interesting about this is did God, as his father, have to do this? Have to say publicly like that. No, I don't think so. Many times Jesus would say, I'm even praying out loud now. Not for my sake, but for yours. So here you have the Father publicly saying, and imagine this, this is now the metaphor of how we're going to translate it to us. He publicly says to you, I am not ashamed 
to connect myself with these men. That's what he says. Saying publicly, you want a father to say, like if Emil is our father to, to Matt and Josh, for him to say in public, this is my son, like he's my boy, whether he gets 20% for the test, hopefully not, still my son. <laughs> 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 or they go back to employee. <laughs> No, they still, this is my son and my love. And my boy, we believe in you, but like, let's, come on, let's do better next time. It's, it's calling you to greatness because you're his son. Not so that you're going to be it. Again, that's a different religion. You're chasing, I'm going to do all the right things so that I'll have a place in the house. You're stuck. You are stuck. And you might have been stuck there for years. And God, God says that the Spirit comes and shines the light into our hearts. And we behold Christ. And it's sometimes the, the scales, even as a Christian, you might have had those moments where the scales just come off. You're like, how could I believe that rubbish? How could it? Have you ever had that? Have you ever had a morning maybe where you felt really unworthy, you've woken up? Have you ever had those mornings where you felt unworthy? Yeah. <laughs> strong witness there. I like <laughs> You're like... <laughs> No, you know those mornings. You know. <laughs> and sometimes, what is your thought process? Starts going, flip, I feel unworthy. Oh, shucks, it's Saturday, tomorrow's church. Okay, what can I do? What can I do? Um, I Ross is going to see me. I, I better hold that. Get that mask up here so Ross does not see what's happening. <laughs> Ross is like, hey, bud, how are you doing? I've had you in my heart. You look fine. <laughs> you just stack chairs and just carry them. <laughs> But in that moment, you know what you play to yourself? I'm so unworthy. I should run from the Father. Yeah. Clean myself up a bit. I'll come back. I'll come back. All cylinders firing. That's not the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit's never going to say to you, you've sinned, run from Him. Mm-hmm. He's going to say, you've sinned, run to Him now. Because mm-hmm. why would you run from the one who is the only one who can help you? That's like you waking up and saying, I'm so dirty. And the devil's like, don't take a shower. And you're like, no. I'm not worthy to take a shower. And I would be like, huh? The shower is there for that purpose. You know what I mean? Do you ever fall into that trap? Let me just, let me clean up. Let me, let me just get my life back in order a bit. Let me, I'll take a few weeks off church, baby. I'll come back. I'll tell them I was camping or something. Or there was, I got exposed to COVID. Uh-huh. And I'm quarantined. Yeah. How many times I've heard, I just want to get my life in order and I'll come to church. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What? Yes, it's a Oh! I was like, come on. It's like, what do we believe church is then? Yeah. What is church? It must be our need to come to church. Yes, man. It must already be done. Yeah, yeah. The church is the hospital for the broken. God justifies the ungodly. Yes. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous. Not that they are actually the righteous. Mm. Came to call the unrighteous. Didn't come to call those who are healthy. Do you think you're healthy? You're saying that. You can keep thinking healthy. I came to call those who know they're sick. And that's us. So we should be able as men, when this truth starts sinking in, you know what it allows you to do? It allows you to do something that every man on this planet is petrified of. What is that? To be open about your weaknesses. It allows you, like Paul, to say, when I am weak, 
then I'm strong. Yeah. Does the world say that? No. It allows me to say, I'm actually going to boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And that's what this will free you to do. Where's Marnie gone? Did we lose him? Just okay. Unacceptable. Let's <laughs> 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 take a shower. <laughs> but, but look at that thing. I want, I, I'm just throwing seeds here on the ground. I want you to just take these things and go meditate on them. But that thing, the public ownership of the Father. You need to live in that. And for some of you, I can, I can bet you that many of you have felt like, I'm not worthy to bear His name. So in order to medicate and remedy that, I'm going to do everything I can to pay it back. And you know a picture I shared um, about two years ago? I, I, I was really, I was dating Andrea and, and uh, I was really grappling with a lot of like, like father wound kind of issues that I, some, there's almost some seasons of life where they can only come up. Mm. So like, when someone comes along into your past, you know, you know what I mean? Then it just brings it up. Maybe if you have a child, it's going to bring up a lot of other stuff also. But um, I just said to God, like, God, like, I get the scriptures. I've, wrote, I've written these things down, but like, I need more. Like, this, I need a miracle for this stuff to go in here. I've got years and years and years of baggage, of wrong thinking, that I'm asking you to change in a moment. And he gave me three, three pictures or visions. I wasn't sleeping. I don't even know what they are. Pictures. Um, and I want to share them with you. Yeah, this is very powerful. Um, is the first one. I was working in the garden of my, my front yard. And we, we used to have these huge windows. They were like as big as those doors, but just all window. Um, and uh, I would be out there in the yard, and it's probably like a Saturday morning when I got chores. My mom would wear some pair of pants, and then I know chores is coming. It's that Saturday, you know, when you hide in your room when you're sick or something. You drink like Jay's fluid, and you just get forced. <laughs> <laughs> but it was Saturday, and I was work, and, and this was the picture. God, God also wanted to use me in the picture, and my dad was in the lounge. In one of those old bunny chairs, you know the ones where you rock back and the little thing pops out of the legs. Sitting in that. And um, there was such a glint and, a, and a, like a glare on the window that I was, I was shoveling stuff and, and working, but I, I couldn't work properly because I was so concerned, but like I couldn't see my dad's posture. So I knew I could see the form of him sitting there that he's present. But I'm like, like, does he want, does he still want me out? Like, am I doing this right? Like, I was so like insecure, and I felt this voice in me just saying like, go, go check. And I was like, no, hell no, no I'm going to get jacked. Like, I'm going to, and uh, and and I just felt the voice, just go. So I walked to the door, and I looked inside the lounge, and all I saw was a hand like this. <laughs> and I thought, oh shucks, I better go back. And I felt like, okay, I'm going to go pick my shovel up. But then I just felt the voice saying, no, no, go in, go look. And I walked through the doors and I actually saw both my father's hands in place, saying, come. And all of a sudden, I remember it tangibly. All the fear, all the insecurity just fell. And I was like, 
I had it all wrong. I was looking at him, but I wasn't seeing him properly. And I walked inside those doors, and my dad said, come. I came, I sat on his lap, and I was like eight years old or something in the dream. And, I, and, and you ever had that feeling of relief, where you've been so scared, and then suddenly in a minute, in a moment it turns like, you almost want to pass out. It almost turns to relief and like joy, and you're not even sure. And I, was, and I was like, okay. And then my dad said, okay, go my boy. And I ran back out to the garden. You know what's significant? I went back to the same work, but I was doing it from a completely different yeah. standpoint. Yeah, so the thinking isn't, hey, when I get this revelation of truth, that it suddenly makes me want to do nothing. That's the biggest lie from the pit of hell. The truth is, when I see what my father thinks about me, and he clears up all that messiness, then I go, oh, I want to do anything to please you. Mm. Not so that you will accept me and love me. Because you've just told me you really do. Just like Jesus' baptism. He's saying, now go, my son. This is my son whom I love. Hey, Will, this is my son. I love him. Well pleased with him. The world can reject him, love him, celebrate him, glorify him, it doesn't matter. So as a man, when people come and reject us, how can we react to that now? We're not robots, we don't go like, hey, that doesn't hurt me, like, stuff you. No, we go, we're still human. Yeah, that, that hurts. But, I withdraw back to my father, who I have a daily communion with. And he says, it's fine, my boy. This is my son, whom I love. And he will discipline. Any fathers here have to discipline their son? Da- Daniel? You, we've spoken about that. Probably not easy even to discipline sometimes. Because it can make you feel like, am I being harsh? Am I being hard? But a true loving father is going to discipline. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think if I wasn't disciplined by my dad, I think I would have been like a drug lord or something, or like some freaking like... I'm glad I got... got anyone else glad they got hiding? Some of them maybe went a bit overboard, but I think for them... Did you get right? You probably needed. <laughs> you were naughty. Yes. Still a drug lord. I think a drug lord. Even with that. You would like... Filter on your exhaust, lights underneath the car, <laughs> frosted tips, <laughs> Palamut smuggler. Yes, bro. Let me just check my time. I want us to go into, we're going to go into some prayer and stuff now, but that point there that I made, you can also turn there if you want. I mean, I've only got three scriptures for today, so the third one. Is Galatians chapter 4. Which is very, very similar to that Romans one. And it's all just hammering the same point home for us. Marty, are you there? That's my boy. <laughs> no, you got the phone. All the guys with the actual Bibles still looking. I feel like another rest of us Are you guys also the boys? The men. So check. Chapter 4, verse 6. 
in, in Galatians. He says, and because you are sons, yeah. hey, yeah. God has sent the spirit of a son to do a work in you. Mm. What does that work do? Christ, Abba, Father. God's saying to you guys, hey, I'm not just content with you being sons. Like, don't just say, okay, that's all I'll take. That's enough for me. God's saying, no, no, there's more. I want you to experience a thing that says, Abba, Father. So, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through God. If you are a son, all that the Father owns belongs to you. And, and you know the, the picture of the, the prodigal son? I mean, everyone knows. But a, a, a little spin-off on the end of that story, which I think applies to many of us, as you said, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go into some prayer after this. We'll, we'll see what the Lord does. Also, I want to ask you, if you've been sitting and you're feeling the Lord saying something, it doesn't have to be some elaborate prophetic word. You could just, I'm sensing something for us. Mm-hmm. I want you to come... Will you come share that just now? Because this is not just a one-man show here. This is us taking great clothes off each other. Okay. So think about that. If you've been feeling something, or you even just want to say something, you can come say it. But just to end off, you know the, the picture of the prodigal son? He, he's in the pigsty, and what does he start doing? Meditate. Pardon? Meditate. Well, I don't know if he was, he was, he was probably moaning, but he realizes, <laughs> he reaches a point, and he goes, hold on, hold on. What am I doing here? Like, my father's servants live better than this. So he goes, well, let me return. And he starts rehearsing his speech. Do you remember his speech? He says, okay, okay. Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Take me in as one of your hired servants. And what does that imply? What does he want to do for the father? Pay back. Work it back. He comes down the road, the father sees him. How far does he get in his speech? He doesn't even get to the point. The father stops him. He says, Father, I've sinned against him, I've sinned against you. And the father says, takes off his robe, takes off his ring, takes off his sandals, says, here's my son. He was dead and he's alive. And the son is so ready to say, with that unworthiness, probably could not even look at his father, is so ready to say, just let me put me in the servants' quarters. I promise you I'll work back. I'll work it back. I promise you. And the father doesn't even let him get that far. And imagine that night when the banquet starts, the feast, and you're that son, and you're sitting there, and you're sitting with such a sense of unworthiness that how could my father do all this for me, expend all his wealth on receiving me back? You sinned against him. And maybe what you do is you slip out the party. You go to the back of the house. You take an old piece of cardboard and you get on the servants' quarters and you make a bed. Many of us as Christians have done that. Because of unworthiness in us that we haven't known what to deal with, you say, okay, at least he's accepted me back. I'm in. The household coming. But I, I, I can't presume to be accepted so lavishly and abundantly by him. Let me just, let me just I'll be in the servants' quarters. And imagine the father would be like, where's my son? Ask him, where's my son? And they're like, no, we saw him at the back. That would grieve the father. 
and it's the same picture for us. Do you know what we're going to do today? If you've been in that place, you're going to pick up your little cardboard mat, throw it in the bin, and you're going to come back into the house, into the lounge, and you're going to sit with the Father. Amen. Because do you want your brothers here, sitting out there? <coughs> do you want them out there? No. No. Anyone feeling anything they want to share? Because we're here together. Anyone feel like this is for them? This message? Yeah. Ross, will you share anything? No, I just, uh, I just, when you were sharing that story, I just went about the prodigal son. You know, for me, like, I was that son. Like, it just makes me remember. Like, I was that son. And I don't know how, I don't know what happened, but it took about a year. Like, I can't, like, I had the moment, like, remember that moment you, James, talked about just now, like, what am I doing here? I had that moment. I had that exact same moment, the exact same thought. I was, what am I doing? And it took about a year for me to begin to walk in that very place we're talking about now. And God began to restore me. I came running back, woke up, came running back, and felt like God met me where I was at. Mm -hmm. He drew me in. And I remember for almost a year straight, year to ten months straight, I would find myself every single meeting. I could go, I would, I would just go because I knew I would find God. Even like I, I went to everything I could. And I would find myself on the floor, in the front, my face in tears. And for a year, like, this is just, I'm just telling you a little bit of my story. Just for a year, God began to work that in me. In me. And now, like, I, I think, I feel like I operate from that place, actually. I feel like I've had a good experience of what it is to experience God and be received in that place. And now it's like, Man, I cut to the heart every time I remember, every time I think how good God has been to me. And it's, it's, it's because of, not because, not, not so that. It's because of, it's not so that. It's a response. It's a response, man. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Yeah. I'm, I just reminded me while you were sharing that I was crying up. When I think of that moment, I just get a bit emotional because God, like, mm. he, didn't, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that, but he did it, mm. and he wants to do it with every single one of us, actually. Mm. That's, the, that's the crazy thing, he wants to do that with every single one of us. Yeah. He's just calling us, he's just, come man, mm. come, I have so much more for you, I have so much for you, I have the riches of the kingdom for you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that Lord, that's overwhelming, and eventually I began to see it. Mm. And eventually we go, okay, wow, you do. <laughs> hmm. I don't know how you want do you know what I feel that we, we must do today is part of like regardless of what we even spoke on today something that's very healing for us as men that we need is we need to disarm shame and the way you disarm shame is to feel accepted firstly by God there's a revelation but then that works itself out by being accepted by men. Because often shame lies to you and says, you're the, it's, it's a ridiculous lie, but it works well. You're the only one who struggles like you do. You're the only one who has that limp and carries that wound. And it's obvious, I mean, as you say, 
once it's in your head, it's very powerful. You get that out and it, it breaks. And I feel that's something God wants us to do today. It's for those of us, there's different levels here of, of, of where we're at. But for some of us, I feel like, you're like, this is almost like life or death for me. Like I've so been wounded by this that I need to publicly say I'm stepping out of the servants' quarters there. I'm burning up that mat because it's a lie. God never accepted you back into the household because of how good your service was going to be to him. Never. That's not the gospel. So why don't we, let's close our eyes. I just want to let, let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Brian, you can come straight. Like we're, not, we're not rushing out of here. speak to your sons like we read today you said because you are sons I've spent the, sent the spirit of my son into your hearts crying Abba Father and I just pray right now God that I, I sense something of it this week that you actually want to put like a militant like break off passivity and defeatedness right now we're not defeated we're called to run we're called to run without shame. For there's no condemnation for those who are united to Christ and in Him. So I just pray now, God, that you would deposit something of that boldness and that desperation in us to say, I don't give a rip what people think about me anymore. How can that compare what people think about me to a Father in Heaven that has said, this is my Son? Hey? This is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Man can't add to that. He can't take away from that. So if you're even feeling led to pray for us, why don't you pray? We're just going to minister. Mark, you can kick us off. But after Mark, if you want to pray and you're feeling led, pray for us. Because we're warfaring for each other here, guys. Okay. Guys, I'm standing here knowing that I've been to moments with I come back to the Father of God and I'm, I'm wrestling, I'm going, God, I, I desperately need you to do something in my heart right now because I can't on my own. And, and I, know, I know I'm not the only one feeling that. And Lord, I want to pray, I want to pray over us now that you would come by your Holy Spirit, like it says in the scriptures, that your Spirit would minister that we would testify that we are sons of God. Yeah. Would you come, Lord? Would you come and do what you can do? Like when I reach into Eden's cot and I pick him up and he's my son whether he knows him or not and I can lift him up and I can hold him to my chest. I pray you would come and do that for us now. Yeah. 
Whether we pre-shower or post-shower, whether we feel good enough, whether we don't. You must come and do it. Everything in your scripture points to you being our Father. Everything in that prodigal son pointed to stickiness and rebellion and horrific sexual and financial rebellion against you. You wrecked it and ruined it. You didn't care about him being a servant because he was your son. And I pray that right now, Lord, you would come and you would declare into our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we are your sons. You shout that out through Scripture. You spoke that over Jesus. Would you come now, Lord? And Lord, I'm standing, I'm standing here just almost like a declaration to say that I'm, I'm standing believing in what you said about me being your son. Overriding whatever story in my fatherlessness, in my, my abusive stepfather, in the, the, the carnage of fatherhood that I've seen in, in the world, I'm standing here knowing I, I believe in a good father. That is God my father. That has adopted me as a child. Adopted me as a son. And I want to encourage you, if, if, if anyone wants to just do some kind of physical declaration, maybe it's get on your knees, maybe it's stand, maybe it's, I don't know, whatever you want to do. But Lord, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to believe in what you've said about me being your son. that I sleep on every night and I'm, I'm just going to lay it down and I'm going to stand here as one that's going to father. I'm going to reach out my arms to you Lord and I'm going to say I believe that you can that you can pick me up and you, that, that you have made me your son struggling to just stand um, and it may just be a physical act but it's a prophetic declaration so I'm going to read Galatians 5 verse 1 and if any of you just are unctioned by Holy Spirit just to stand realize that it's not just a physical act it's going to bring a spiritual release um, Galatians 5 verse 1 I'm going to read it three times it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Come on. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let ourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now guys, I feel that's a challenge for us. If you want to respond, then stand. 